0: Welcome everyone to the world of Debbie football here with the Debbie workshop. I'm your host, Andrew Woodruff, joined by my legendary co-host Chance Hopkins, as we work through the world of college football to help you find those future NFL stars. Join us today as we discuss some of the latest football topics and our process for looking at what we want in each position for Debbie teams. All right, welcome everybody to the Debbie workshop. We are the college focused portion of the crew over at film Goal of Femalytics, again, is combining that film analysis with our analytical models. And with the fantasy f- football landscape expanding, you can turn to Filmalytics to be your go-to for fantasy football research and analysis. And really with us, we're all about building that Debbie pipeline. We want to find those guys in college and get them all the way up to the NFL. So f- for me and Chance, what we n- normally focus on is looking at those college athletes, even some of those high school seniors that we'll talk about in a little bit, and Everything that you're looking for, guys, you can find us not only on this podcast, but also at patreon.com backslash with models for all positions along with other content like our articles, our notion dashboard. And of course, you know, if you're always looking to hang out, talk football with some good guys. We got our Discord, which does have some free channels as well. Chance in a little bit. How's it been?
1: We're back, baby. Oh yeah. It's good. How about yourself?
0: I'm tired. I cut the football field the first time by myself today or the practice field and it takes twice as long if you're the only guy doing it and you get burnt a little bit and then you decide to punish yourself some more so you go back and cut your backyard and then go inside and run around the yard so i am tired but i am good
1: and my lawnmower i hate mowing my lawn i used to love it but my lawnmower sucks now so it just is not a fun time i just want a lawnmower that doesn't have a bag and then the flap that's supposed to open up when you're cutting to let the grass go out doesn't open up. So when my grass gets too long, I have to go over, lift up the lawnmower, pull it back, go over <laughs> again. It it takes twice as long with how I have to mow my lawn. So it is so now instead of it being a fun little chore, it is a nightmare task.
0: So I have to be careful because if I if I wait until it starts getting too close to after it just rained. Man, my thing will get stuck so quickly over that little spot where it's supposed to blow all the grass out and I have to constantly stop, knock it all out because I just got one of those little push more, so I got less than half an acre land, so it's not like a lot of grass to cut. But
1: I, I, I don't have a whole lot of grass, but it, it's still a
0: pain. Oh, it's, it's still a pain. I like that, that freaking zero turn, though, at school. That makes that a lot better. <laughs> it's I just a lot more. Hey, go for it if you got the space. All right. I don't. I understand. I understand. But the good thing is we do have Debbie football, so we got all the space. We got all the time, and we need to talk about that one. So let's kind of recap some of the things that's been going on this past month. You know, it's the off season. It's summer. We're not hearing a lot, but let's talk about some of the more exciting things that we've heard so far recently in college football. So first one, kind of just throwing the furthest thing back that really was newsworthy. Jordan Addison, I know we talked about him potentially to a couple different spots. We know he's official to USC. What's your reaction to that?
1: I love it for him. Uh, it's going to help his draft stock tremendously. Uh, and the Lincoln Riley offense, especially with Caleb Williams at the helm, it's, you know, I, I was never a big fan of Kenny Pickett. And he was able to do very, very great things with Pickett. And now you give him an even better quarterback. Yeah. A very, very, passing friendly uh, offense I, I, I love it I, I think this is the best move for him because he, he jumps in bona fide wide to run one right off that you know no competition for that and again quarterback upgrade system upgrade usc
0: is that question
1: mark maybe
0: probably not so i could maybe <laughs> maybe not the only team back but yeah jordan addison i definitely agree he made kenny pickett into a first round quarterback Now he has what should be a first-round quarterback talent throwing him the ball. I mean, you've already hit it. there, pass happy. I'm not touching any USC running back, but I love grabbing Addison. I mean, even Mario Williams I think is pretty good. Yeah. So that – and I don't think the defense is fixed for USC. So the only way you're going to win games is you keep going out there and scoring. So whether you are a C2C, CFF, if you're just a college guy, Debbie – getting ready for Dynasty next year, like this guy is probably going to be a first-round pick, a first-round rookie pick. And honestly, he's already probably pushing top 15 for Debbie drafts if you're doing startups right now.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: So moving from that, the other team that we think is back, is it Texas?
1: Yeah, yeah. Texas. I, I mean, with You know, with the recent uh, commitment from good old Arch Manning, I think Texas, you know, they're set up with Quinn Ewers. Then after Ewers is gone, you got Arch Manning. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're set at the quarterback position for the next, you know, some odd years. Xavier Worthy is an absolute animal. He is my <laughs> W wide receiver, too. Arguing Only two with, right argue now. With the wall. <laughs> Only two. Um, and then, you know, you obviously got Bajan in the backfield. And they're, they're, they're looking good. The offense is looking good. Defense, obviously, is something to always, you know, I mean, when it comes, unless you play IDP, and I, I have not heard of a single C2C IDP league, but if you play an IDP Debbie league, you know, you're drafting defensive players, I'm not too familiar with it, maybe there are some studs on defense, but I think this is going to be a similar situation to USC, uh, to where it's going to be extremely pass happy, but they have Robinson in the backfield, which means that it's going to, you know, this is, this is taking off the edge for next year for Robinson and then Jaden Blue uh the
0: following year
1: it's good it's good looks for you uh, Texas.
0: oh yeah and i mean i don't know if you noticed but i think arch has been planning this for a while because he said it right there in the middle of summer that he is committing to texas that's awesome for him i'm so glad he chose texas over georgia Mm -hmm. that is much better for his nfl draft stock when it comes to quarterback wise anyway nothing is georgia but Texas is set up well now with him, but he timed it in the middle of summer right when these guys are like, I hadn't fully decided, but I'm going to decide next couple months, next weeks where I'm going. Boom. Everybody wants to go play with Manning. So right after he announced it within like 48 hours, they had three linemen sign and a couple defensive guys sign in saying, I'm committed to Texas. So Texas is about to shoot up rankings to fight for that number one spot in the draft. Uh, recruiting class not draft class so i'm very interested in seeing how it looks now another school the other big school that we think maybe is back i know you have more faith in them than i do thanks to the quarterback they already got but we've seen miami also get another quarterback so let the people know what you what you're thinking there next year tyler van dyke does he have a replacement in line
1: tyler van dyke is going to be first round quarterback in next year's draft Bookmark it here. Tyler Van Dyke is the guy I have been pounding the table for this dude. And I will continue to until I either am proven wrong or I am right. If I'm proven wrong, I will erase every single notion of me ever pounding the table for him. Not really. Uh, I will, I will take that on the chin, like a man that I was wrong. But you know, I think you am, I, I, I'm not as confident in them as I am USC and Texas, you know, quote-unquote being back. Um, I, I don't think they've done nearly as much. But, yeah, you got Jaden Rashada, uh, who we aren't super, we haven't watched a whole lot of film on him, but he's a very, very talented quarterback. And so I, I think the backfield for Miami is taken care of um, with Trevante Citizen. You throw in Rashada after TVD has gone. Uh, obviously, there's still, you know, wide receivers that they're going to start coming in, going to Miami, because I think that there's a lot of hype revolving around Cristobal going there as well.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, of course, we know they got their tight ends. Jaleel Skinner, Elijah, is it Arroyo? Arroyo. Yep. Arroyo. Plus, you got Mallory right now. It's just really, they need receivers. Yeah. But I don't know if you heard, apparently that dude got 9.5 million. Yeah. There is gonna be some serious conversations about him starting next year, assuming Van Dyke's able to get to that draft. But Jaden Rashada, I know, is gonna be a name to watch. Jake Garcia, as of right now, I know he he had some pool this spring. Apparently he was doing good. Do you think the pressure is gonna be on the staff based off the funding in IL to get the freshman on there? Or do you think they take more of the Bryce Young approach and say, no, you need to at least sit a year?
1: You know, I, I think it's because with Bryce Young, you know, you, you had Bryce Young as a five-star recruit come in, commit to Alabama. They had Mac Jones, who they were thoroughly impressed with, who had been a backup his entire collegiate career leading up to his senior year. He got to sit mm-hmm. behind, you know, Jalen Hurts to a Tungabai He got he sat behind a first-round, a top-five NFL quarterback, uh, draft quarterback, not yet top five, but that's coming, uh, <laughs> and Jalen Hurts, who was a second-round quarterback, who obviously transferred to Oklahoma and lit it up, you know, Bryce, so Bryce Young, that was definitely, I pounded the table for Bryce Young to start immediately uh, just because I still had some ill feelings towards Mac Jones uh, in the Iron Bowl when he went in for Tua after Tua, obviously, you know, was out for the season, um, just because I'll never forget him throwing the ball at um, Najee Harris's back it bouncing off of his back and Auburn taking it back for a That was, that was my, that was an everlasting impression on Mac Jones for me where I, that play happened and I sat there and I was like, Oh, thank God, we got Bryce Young. And obviously I was wrong there. Mac Jones ended up winning us a natty went on to be a first round draft pick. So I love the guy for that. Oh yeah. Um, but I, I, I think, Oh God, it's. Cause that, that that's where it's different. You know, Rashad is going to come in. He doesn't have a senior unless, Tyler Van Dyke decides to stay for a senior year, you know, if he, he does
0: have eligibility, exactly. He does
1: have that final year of eligibility. So unless he light, if he doesn't light it up and he's not happy with his performance, he's not happy with the draft capital he's getting. If he stays and he had played well enough his All junior right. year to solidify himself as a starter for this, for his uh, final year of eligibility, then boom, right then and there, I think you have a shot of sit. If Tyler Van Dyke blows up, like I hope, and I think he will, I think it ultimately does come down to just a competition between him and Garcia, and I'm trying to blank on the other incoming freshmen this year that they have, um, who I know.
0: Jacuri. Jacuri yeah, Brown. He's Harry he's going to have to the transfer. Yeah. I just don't see it. Um,
1: but, you know, in the instance where Tyler Van Dyke, he, he enters the NFL draft, it's just – do they believe? Have they seen enough from Garcia to ensure him the starting position and to sit there and go Rashad a new city year, or do they just go? You know, we pay. You know, we well the NIL got Rashad a lot of money. Do we with the funding? Do we just say screw it and throw him out there? I think it ultimately will come down to a um, competition. Whoever plays better, whoever looks better, whoever plays harder, whoever you know just looks the better quarterback will end up being the starter.
0: Fair enough. I was say, I think right now I'd lean Garcia. I think we've seen a lot of the quarterbacks that end up doing well. They at least sit that first year and sit and learn. Yeah. But and there's I nothing mean, wrong with
1: that. No, absolutely know. nothing wrong with that. I, I mean,
0: mean Archbishop did that. Bryce Young yeah. did that. CJ Stroud Young did that. Did
1: that. Well, I that. Say Stroud did that. I mean, hell, Tua ended up doing that. Let's see. Joe Burrow pretty much sat every year besides his last two years. You know, I mean, some of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, you know, you look at. Any one of them, any one of the starting quarterbacks, I guarantee you, and I don't have the numbers in front of me, I guarantee you that there's a the vast majority of them were initial starters in the, at the college level.
0: Yeah. I mean, Lawrence is one of the main ones I can think of that got one of those earlier starts. But, I mean, yeah. he still – it took him like five or six weeks as a freshman year before he got to get in there yeah. and prove, hey, I am the guy. Worked up for them.
1: But then there's also the effect of the DJU effect. You know, you sit behind one of these quarterbacks thinking that it's going to help out, and then you come out and you face bang. Uh there, yeah. There's a lot of moving parts to the whole, you know, what will happen, how it will go down, what will happen when it does go down, stuff like that. There's a lot of different moving parts in that situation, so it's really hard to tell this early.
0: Oh, yeah. and um, While we're on the topic of quarterbacks, Manning Camp, I know it was recently, uh, we looked through a couple articles, kind of heard some of the things going on uh one of well, both both names that I know Matt and myself like I don't know how you feel about one of these names but personally I know I love Anthony Richardson he was apparently one of the stars of the show at Manning Camp Will Levis what are your thoughts on him he was the other like big name star apparently that was doing really well there
1: I always liked Levis um I'm not as high on him as a lot of other people are but I do think he has like, a whole lot of potential I think he can most definitely be a first-round quarterback uh, next year as long as he continues this trajectory that he's been on. Uh, but the name that I want to focus on here is Richardson because you and I have two totally different viewpoints. <laughs> I, totally. Now, I want it to be said, I actually really, really, really like the skill set Richardson has. I really like him as a player. I think he's a fantastic quarterback. But what pushed me over the edge on saying he is a sell instead of a buy was our last debbie draft where he got taken in the first round ahead of Keyshawn, Keyshawn, Keyshawn Boutte. I always butcher his name. Um,
0: when he got taken ahead of him.
1: Man, uh, I, I had of to of get me. on
0: to you last episode about that. You cut out last episode when you try I, messing that up.
1: I always mess up his name, but he got taken in the first round ahead of Boutte.
0: And I, I, as soon as I saw
1: that, I was like, if there are multiple, multiple people that are this high on Richardson, I firmly believe he's a sell because of the amount of talent you'll be able to get in the term for him. If you have him, obviously, you know, if you like Richardson and you have him, I think he's a hold, unless you can get a super big package for him. If the hype is, you know, universal, I don't think he's a buy, just because I think it's going to cost way too much to get him, especially with how raw he is.
0: I do agree. He is a little bit more of a project quarterback. But, I mean, if this is a project-type quarterback that I'm working with that 6'4", 237 can absolutely – run cannon, circles run, around has people a, has a giant a cannon. cannon yeah oh, i know I, like i said i
1: i love everything about him it's just at the cost i would rather if you gave me the option to buy yourself and i knew that i was either gonna have to sell the farm for this dude or i was able to receive the farm for him i'm gonna receive the farm 10 times a time i get that but it, could end up biting me in the ass in a super flex league you know six point passing touchdowns you have a konami code quarterback you could
0: have, you know, a Lamar Jackson type quarterback. <laughs> it's, it's not yeah, Lamar. This is going to be yeah. more of a Cam Newton. Yeah,
1: this is a Cam Newton type. Totally
0: young, healthy Cam.
1: Yeah, I was going
0: to say, I hope it's not the same trajectory that Cam went on. That's uh, um, not for sure. I will I will state, as much as I love the dude, I do understand he's a project. He's yeah. going to have to either show up massively this year, like some insane numbers. And if he does that in the SEC, of course, we know he's a first-round quarterback. If he shows a pretty decent year, He is probably a 2024 guy. But, I mean, he could still be QB3 right there with Quinn Ewers, Caleb Williams. So, it works out either way. I do agree. First round, I'm a little hesitant on, but I'll get more into that in a little bit when we start talking about these positional values that we put on Debbie, what we look for. But, yeah, I understand that. Bryce Young, of course, yeah, I'm about to say it. we yes, gotta finish yes. up the man in camp real quick. Bryce, uh yeah, Bryce, Bryce Young. We know this. Heisman went No Bryce Young things and
1: Doesn't, expected. He, doesn't necessarily impress people because everyone already knows what he's capable of.
0: Uh, you know, they want to see
1: him get better, of course, and that's what he was doing. He was getting better, showing off that he's been better.
0: People just uh, want him bigger. If yeah, he just yeah. get a little bit bigger, like two oh five. Yeah. That's that's kind of what people are hoping for. We know he has talent. It's just yeah. The
1: the weight's not gonna probably in,
0: get any bigger. It's just let's get the weight up a little bit. Yeah. I'll, I'll get it. We'll get
1: into the weight too for quarterbacks because that's one of the things that I've pointed oh, yeah. out that I like working for. Um Ty Thompson, Kadon Slovis, uh, uh, they, they stood out. Um, one of
0: those, I hope, hope wins a job.
1: Ty the other one, yes. Yeah, yeah, I know. I, Bo Nix, you know my my barber cuts Bo Nix's hair, and he's a really down to earth, really really nice guy. Um, but I just I don't believe in him, and I think that some players that we'll talk about in a later episode or that I'll talk about in a later episode um will be better off with Thompson than they would be with Bo uh,
0: So It doesn't look good for quarterbacks that sit two years either. So Yeah, exactly. Um if he's still sitting thing this thing, year, we're moving. Yeah.
1: One thing that surprised me after, you know, looking at all the recaps for the Manning camp or the, I guess, the Manning passing academy, but uh, Houston quarterback Clayton Toon, he won the air it out challenge. Which we saw, Spencer Radler had a very, very beautiful flick of the wrist. I mean, we we always knew Spencer Radler had that phenomenal arm talent, and he displayed it at the air it out uh, competition. He mm-hmm. flick of the wrist dropped that ball probably seventy yards, and of course, it's against the air, but still, you like seeing that stuff, whether it's against the air or game time. Uh, <laughs> hey, but yeah, type. Clayton Toon, How do you feel about Clayton
0: Toon? I love him for C two C purposes. Anybody playing college football, Houston is one of those offenses that you will. You'll benefit if you can get him. And it doesn't cost a lot either. I noticed on a recent startup, he was, I think he was someone I got like in round 15, round 12. Now, it will vary league to league. Who kn- who knows what, who's falling what resources. So he might be going a little bit closer to like round eight after some news pops on this. But he's a good offense. There's several pieces over at Houston that I like. Uh, Let me go double-check about say I know there's a recent one I was just talking about in this freshman class, I believe. Yeah, Matthew Golden. Matthew Golden is a 6'1", 190 kid, was absolutely lights out in the spring game. So, like, he has some good weapons. I don't think he's a Debbie asset right now. It's Utah, AAC. Desmond Ritter, I think, was a better prospect, and we saw where that ended. He, he's looking like a backup for NFL purposes though. So yeah, if mean, you come probably, C23 and he gets drafted. Good for him.
1: Yeah, I mean, you got a fifth-year guy here, um, which just is one of those major turnoffs when you look at a prospect at the NFL level. Uh, he drastically improved in 2021 from all of his previous seasons. He completed 90 96, 68% of his passes. Uh, average. 96. Right, God. Uh Average 8.4 yards per attempt, which is pretty much where I like the baseline for me for quarterbacks, where I like to see, you know, where they're throwing at uh, average-wise, yards per attempt-wise. Round eight would be the very, very base for me. Anything lower than that, I'm not really intrigued in. Uh, and then 30 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. So got a lot better. But again, he's a fifth-year guy. Probably just a lot of hype moving forward because of the Manning camp. But still, somebody like you said, C2C purposes. I, I really like him. C2C, he's not a huge name where you're going to have to reach super early for anything mm-hmm. like that. You're going to be able to get him in the later rounds where you're kind of looking at all the quarterbacks on there and you're like, okay, well, who's going to score me points and help me win? You know, on the college side, Tune is going to be that guy that you're going to want there in those rounds.
0: Yeah, it's just one of those things to watch. Um, uh, I know we're kind of going along in these quarterbacks, but I do got to mention real quick, Grayson McCall. I don't know if you've um heard anything recently, but like I've been looking for months and I couldn't really find a whole lot. He apparently had uh, off season surgery on his shoulder. And has no, I knew still, that
1: something happened.
0: Yes, there's not there's still not a lot out there, but like he still apparently is recovering. Uh and, I mean he did miss a couple games last year. So like as much as I like to do it, I've already mentioned the risk before on Twitter. Like if you got people that are still hyping them. If you can get that package, you can get a receiver, running back, you feel a little bit more secure about getting draft capital, it might still be the best move.
1: Um, One last thing, Uh, Richard Young, number one running back prospect of the uh, 2025 class. Uh, He is continuing to post about the University of Oregon. He was just there two days ago, and he was just here in Eugene. Uh, It looked like he was having a blast in Eugene looks like he has, you know, quite a bit of interest in Oregon. Uh, I know he was projected like a 98% projection uh, to land at Alabama, but quite honestly, after seeing him have so much fun and seeing him enjoy himself in Eugene, I'm not too sure I would pencil him in anywhere right now. I I think it's going to be a very, very close race between Oregon, Alabama, and, you know, whoever else has a final visit that he might enjoy.
0: I mean, it never hurts when you've got some of the sponsors around Oregon. True.
1: Yeah, I mean, you got Phil Knight himself. Yeah. You got got the god of sportswear (laughs) right
0: there. Well, sorry, you can you can make a pretty convincing NIL deal for him there. So, yeah, I could definitely see Oregon making a push. Plus, we know they love to run the ball. So, if you can come in, be a backup to Cardwell possibly for a year or maybe split with them for a year and then take over, you can put a lot of good film together. Oh, yeah. All right. So, I feel like that's Pretty much most of the recap. I mean, of course, we do have the ACC talking about they're just going to be one big division together starting in 2023. SEC doing something similar as well. Uh, It'll be interesting seeing how some of those schedules line out. Could make it some more. There's more fun games actually to watch. You're not seeing Alabama play, South Alabama State, New Mexico State, like as often for both of those divisions as well. So it'll be interesting to see how both of those turn out now. The big one for this episode, the one that I, I was super excited about been looking forward to this for a while. Chance, me and you are about to break down to the people. Kind of what do we look for at the quarterback position, the running back position, receivers and tight ends when deciding who to draft for Debbie squads? Like we know there's there's got to be some type of traits that we go for for each position. So since we've been talking quarterback so much, let's go ahead and continue on with the theme real quick. Tell the people, like, what is it about quarterbacks that you've you target that is important to you?
1: So obviously I, I like those bigger guys at the quarterback position. That that's my forte, and I think that's a lot of people's forte is because the bigger mm-hmm. you are, typically the sturdier you're gonna be, the more hits you're gonna be able to take, the more hits you're gonna be able to last. Um, I like my quarterbacks to be a little bit taller than what most people kind of look for. I like someone who's like six three to six five um i think Josh Allen is like i mean i when i think of a quarterback obviously that i really really want size wise i think Josh Allen is perfect at 6'5" 235 or something like that for weight uh but three plus is kind of where i'm looking um somebody around six, one, six, two, totally fine i'm not going to you know I'm not going to sit there and be like no i want absolutely nothing to do with one of these guys who're just a little hair over 6 foot um if they are six foot even, obviously there are those quarterbacks who are around six foot, maybe 5'11", maybe closer to 6'1". Um, Bryce Young. Those guys, you, yeah, Bryce Youngs so who I think of, Russell Wilsons who I think of, who we all know I'm very, very high on. Um, that will ultimately come down when it comes to size. That will come down to weight. Generalized weight is about a 220 to 240 in weight uh that the, the heavier you the heavier you are obviously the taller i want you to be because if you're six foot even 240 pounds you either have to be two percent body fat looking like a bodybuilder or you might be <laughs> looking like a mac jones but a little bit heavier because you're condensed into a smaller size
0: um, on a championship got a first round pick out of it so. exactly
1: hey no but I, it's not
0: often he's,
1: he's taller yeah it's not it's not often either um you know, I mean, because if somebody's six foot, I want them to be, you know, at least 220. And mm-hmm. if, if Russell Wilson, I want to say Russell Wilson might be close to that 220. I know Tua my Loa is like in that 215 to 220 range, which is I'm fine with. It's a little bit more of a concern than somebody who's Josh Allen 6'5", 235. But that's what I look at in size for quarterback. Um, but the biggest thing is really, you know, translatability. How, do, how are they going to translate to the next level? Because you it might be division one talent that you're playing against. But is it division one going to be NFL level talent that you're actually playing against? A lot of times, no, that's not the case. You know, you have a lot of guys that are playing division one that aren't gonna make it to the NFL. And that's just the harsh reality of it. It goes for all positions, but mostly quarterbacks because there there aren't really when you look at running backs and wide receivers, you kind of see a bigger broader scale of what type of players can translate to the nfl you know you have your bruiser running backs you have your speedsters you have your pass catchers you have your you know goal line type of bags there's a lot of things you can go there same with wide receivers you can have a shorter faster smaller wide receiver who can succeed at the nfl level then you have your calvin johnson's who are just tall big body wide receivers who are going to do everything um
0: quarterbacks there's not that many roles
1: Exactly. You know, you you have your typical, you have your Konami Code who's somebody who's gonna run and pass and do both mm-hmm. really well. And then you have really your pocket passer who's kind of a bigger type of guy that has good arm strength, or you know, maybe not the greatest of arm strength, but is super, super accurate and push the ball down the field as needed. Um arm strength is another one that I look at. Now, arm strength is blown out of proportion nine times out of ten. People when people think of arm strength, they think of somebody who can throw the ball 70 plus yards. Game time type of throw. I don't look at that when I think of arm strength. I'm looking at the quarterback who can throw a 15-yard out route on a rope, who can get it there fast, Mm -hmm. perfect spiral, and you can see the zip on it. That's what I think about when I think of arm strength that's going to succeed at the next level. Because, again, I mean, realistically, there might be 10 passes, 10 to 15 passes that a quarterback tries to make per year that are 70-plus yards. And what quarterbacks at the NFL level can actually make those passes? you got Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, List maybe, you know, maybe throw in a few others that might be able to do it. But those are the three that I can confidently say will be able to throw that ball in game time that far. Um, and then, you know, obviously when you look at Zip, you're looking at someone who can find that tight pocket that the receiver has and be able to fit it in between two defenders or just put it out of reach of the defender just so it can get there fast enough for the wide receiver to catch it. Um accuracy for stats. So stat wise, something I look at is you know their best season, I want them to be around 70% completion or completion percentage. I think 70% is you know very, very accurate, especially when you look at, at the NFL level. People who are throwing 70% really, really accurate. Um but yeah, I mean 70% plus for its best year kind of an average of around 69%,
0: hopefully. Um at least at least above 65.
1: Yeah, and you have those outliers like Josh Allen, who averages like fifty-five percent completion percentage. But then you have to look at his intangibles of arm strength and mobility.
0: Mm-hmm. And I mean, mobility. they're outliers.
1: Exactly, they're outliers for a reason. You're not going to find a whole lot of people like Josh Allen. You're not going to find really nah. anybody like him. Um, a, a stat that I think is more useless than it is useful is yards and attack or yards per attempt. But it's still nice to. I touched base on it earlier. You know. Eight mm-hmm. yards per attempt is kind of that baseline. But, you know, when you start seeing people hit those nine yards in attempt, 10 yards in attempt, 11 yards in attempt, those guys are getting the ball down the field further. Or they could just be playing with people who, you know, catch and run. You know, they might be playing with Jalen Waddles or, you know, Tyree Kills, stuff like that. God, a good point. The um, <laughs> I can see
0: there. I'm about to say, I, like, I know personally for, like, yards per attempt, I was going to bring that up myself. Like, I do kind of look, hey, how close to 10 are you? Now, yeah. of course, like you said, there is context. If you are sitting there throwing a screen pass to Jalen Waddle, he takes it to the house, Hey, that's going to throw up your yards per attempt every time. So exactly. I know I kind of look, and I've got this in the Notion database as well. Like, I kind of look at how they're doing accuracy by where they are on the field. So I've got the deep outside 20, the deep middle 20, deep right 20. 10 to 20 yard range, how are they doing there? Zero to 10, like where is their yard stacking up the most at?
1: Yeah, and when it comes to, for me, when
0: it comes to evaluating
1: quarterbacks at the college level, I think film is a lot more important than statistics for that reason alone.
0: It has to be. College, the the
1: playbook and the play style in college is very, very, you know, it's tuned to be very quarterback friendly. It's tuned to be very friendly for those skill positions. Um, whether it's a pass and catch type thing or maybe maybe an error rate or something like that. But it's, it's meant to be friendly for the quarterback just so the overall offense could actually move. When you get to the NFL level, it's not necessarily going to be like that. Uh, so that's why I like looking at film because you're able to see those aforementioned things like mobility, arm strength, vision, stuff like that. Um, for quarterbacks, I think one of the most important things to look at, and I think a lot of NFL scouts probably look at this as well, uh, is ball placement for quarterbacks. Right. You you want to see a quarterback who's able to throw it where only his receiver can get it. But I think the biggest thing is, and this is something that I really appreciate with quarterbacks, is that when it's, you know, a slant or a pass or just any type of route over the middle of the field, you want a quarterback who's going to protect the receiver, throwing it to, you know, the lower back or the lower uh, outside half of his body, you know, back shoulder. So that way the receiver can turn while there's that, you know, roaming linebacker coming over the middle. So that way he's able to turn his back and protect himself. I yeah, think you that's
0: don't. Very... I was gonna it's say, fun. like, you don't want. Nah, you good, you good. <laughs> I say you don't definitely don't want quarterbacks who are gonna leave your receivers throwing in contested catch situations a lot. I mean, that's a lot of the complaints about Slovis himself, but yeah. he put Drake London and various guys before him in contested catch situations instead of leading the receiver to the open field, or at least setting him up to where the receiver can make a safe catch, either get yards away from the defender. Or at least prepare themselves for a hit. Right. Can't do yeah. that consistently, but we'd like to see it more often than not. Exactly. So I agree with that.
1: Um, and then I think honestly, one of the biggest things is, and this is the hardest thing for college quarterbacks, and I know that because it's talked about a lot to where it's not necessarily it's not a do or die when you come out of college if you don't do this, but it's being able to read defense. Right. And that's that's pre-snap and post-snap pre-snap. I You want your quarterback to be able to recognize coverage, recognize blitz, you know, call for extra protection if needed. Mm-hmm. If you don't see a whole lot of that happening, you know, the quarterback might look good on paper or might look good during those plays. But then they're going to get to the NFL level where they're going against mastermind defense coordinators and mastermind defensive players that are going to be able to scramble them. And they're going to go out there with their looking like a chicken with a tent foot off. They're not going to know what to do.
0: Um and obviously, like I
1: said, it's not a do-or-die because even NFL scouts realize that that's something that's more advanced that's taught throughout the career, that's taught you know throughout your rookie year or your second year. Mm-hmm. Um, but then pocket presence as well, pocket awareness, you know, being able to feel the pressure around you while simultaneously being able to know what's happening downfield. Because if if you're looking downfield as a quarterback and you see the routes happening, you know, you see a breakdown as it's happening, but you have no awareness of what's going on around you, that's where more turnovers are going to happen more loss for yards are going to happen, you know, dead plays are going to happen that way. So you have to be able to understand what's going on right in front of you, right to your left and right in your blind spots and your peripheral vision while simultaneously being able to recognize, you know, the breakdown of the routes, defensive breakdowns, you know, what's happening, who's what miscues on defense are happening downfield. Okay. You recognize that. Well, now you've got, you know, if you're not paying attention, now you got a 275 pound, defensive end who runs a four four five coming right at you you're dead you're you're just a city duck yeah um, but you, you
0: definitely examples, gotta be able to watch
1: that yeah that's like i said that's more of the something that's not do or die but it's if you're able to recognize a quarterback being able to do that on film and that's something you know that i still still really struggle with being able to tell if a quarterback is doing that properly while watching film because that's more of something that's more advanced in my football knowledge quite honestly being able to recognize that that's why they have scouts do this stuff um, if you're able to find those quarterbacks who actually do a really good job of reading defenses you know pre-snap play and stuff like that that's a really really good sign because that's going to translate extremely well at the NFL level
0: totally I'm about to say now I will say like we have seen recently a lot of people hyped up for example this 2022 running back class heck I mean grace Grace could gosh almighty. Sam Howell and Spencer Rattler were like the clear two favorites. You had Malik Willis was like a dark horse coming into the year last year before the season. And you had various names like that. Desmond Ritter was another one mentioned. And a lot of people, including myself, went with the hype. We got into the DJU hype, and I started taking them early in debut drafts even in a super flex, like I've, I've noticed for myself, and this comes for quarterbacks myself. If it's not one of those top four or five guys or like somebody, I'm just really, really a big believer in, for example, Anthony Richardson, I think would be my number five right there outside the top four. If it's not one of those five guys, like I'm normally going to fade it. For example, yeah. Tyler Van Dyke went two o seven. Jordan Addison went right after him. Tank Bixby went after him. Will Shipley, like, those are positions that we can better translate with bigger hit rates. We can predict I mean, those a lot easier. It's easier to scout
1: running back smaller yeah. years than those quarterback. It is literally – I've had so many people mention, you know, so many scouts and everything, that quarterback's the hardest position to scout, and that's for good reason.
0: And, I mean, these are NFL-level scouts that do this for a living. Even they screwed this up a lot. So, I mean, for example, Will Levis was the next quarterback off this recent startup for Matt's league. He was early third. Brock Bowers, Jermaine Burton, Nicholas Singleton, like those were the next three picks right after him. Like that's why I keep looking at that. And I'm like, I don't know if that's for me because I see even though it is positional value, we're probably not going to end up selecting the Kenny Pickett that rises each year, the Zach Wilson, the Joe Burrow. I mean, we just don't normally hit those guys. Yeah. So it's it's tough in that regard. And I mean, especially when I just saw One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 quarterbacks go in the last two rounds. Like everybody's taking wild dart throws at this point. Like it's, I don't know. It's just, it's not a lot of time. I'm willing to invest into a position like that because like you said, it's mostly watching it at film. And that kind of leads me into my point. When you're looking at freshman quarterbacks, that's even more difficult because if you play at my high school And I have film of you playing at my high school. That's not the same if you played at one of the big freaking schools over in Texas or Southern California's um, very big school. I'm blanking on their name right now, but like it varies based off competition. It's really tough. So if I'm looking at freshman quarterbacks, most of the time, I definitely fade them. There's very rare exceptions because uh, an article I had in the past Normally, we only get two quarterbacks outside the top five and top 10 that ever translate each recruiting class, just two. Any idea who this year's two might be from this freshman class coming in? I think. Right? Club like makes, it's Clubman's maybe like the one that I can,
1: Alar, maybe. You know, it, it's just like, you're, yeah, like you're saying, it's It's freshmen, so tough. I would rather, when, when you look at a startup for a Debbie or C2C league, um, C2C is going to be really different. You know, after those big top names, like the Bryce C2C, we C2C. can
0: enjoy the the college production for four years. Right. If they're not but, NFL talent.
1: Yeah, but like you're saying, you know, I, I'm totally happy using a first-round pick on a Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Caleb Williams type quarterback. After, you know, those big five first five names or something like that, that's where, especially with freshmen, I would rather whiff on a freshman and not take him and then use, you know, one of my upcoming, you know, four round or whatever Debbie draft the following year with the incoming freshman and you know grab an Arch Manning or something like that. Or combined, you know, that leads so me much. to a
0: good point. Yeah. So how many quarterbacks, do you know how many quarterbacks this year ended up with five stars?
1: I want to say, oh God, okay. Wait, this year like the just this year class?
0: Yep. Uh, we'll just do it 24-7, just 24-7. 24-7,
1: 24 Okay, um, let me think about this. Quarterbacks, quarterbacks, quarterbacks. Um, I want to say three?
0: Three is correct. Okay. You got Drew Aller, you had Ty Simpson, and you had Connor Weichman for Texas A&M. Ty Simpson, of course, Bama. Drew Aller, Penn State's hopeful savior. Because um, no,
1: no, club makes a five-star.
0: Uh, not based one. off this what? one. Let me Who double check Club? off this one.
1: Could have sworn Clubnik was a bunch. I could have sworn he was the highest rated composite,
0: composite he was.
1: Okay, oh, okay, okay, okay,
0: okay. Oh, yep, they did change it. Okay, so they did update it. I just hadn't updated my system. So he ended up okay. So we had four. nick was fourth. So
1: so we we weren't looking at if, composite, we were just looking at the oh, okay.
0: Yeah. But about so I say, if, if we're looking at quarterbacks for freshmen and we're gonna take them. I'm only taking five stars because, and I, I sent you this before the show. Yep. If you're going to recruit, take a five-star quarterback recruit, at least those guys have a 30% chance of getting into the first round, which for quarterbacks, we know is huge. Need to be a first round talent. So like that does narrow down the list very much for which freshman I'd even consider. If it's a super deep draft, I would also consider Ohio state's quarterback system. So Devin Brown, Outside that, and I I honestly, I don't know if I'm touching Wyckman. I kind of prefer Club Nick, Aller, Devin Brown, and Simpson myself, just those four, but I'm not taking them super early, like you said. Outside them, I'm not really touching a quarterback. It's just we don't know enough. Yeah.
1: And, and, you know, we can look at next year as well. I mean,
0: next year does change, though. Right now,
1: next year, there's three. I think there's three that I would be comfortable taking a stab at in startups, which would be obviously Manning, Malachi Nelson, uh, USC, and then, uh, oh, the guy from uh, Long Beach Poly. Um, which cool is he committed uh, to?
0: Dante Moore?
1: Tennessee. Tennessee. Oh, Nico. Yes, Nico. Nico. Is it I am Aliva or Mama? No, it's I am Aliva, I think.
0: I'd have to double check that one. Yeah, I, think I know. I'm going to say his last name.
1: I know, right? I, those
0: be the three, the only
1: three. 2023,
0: I 2023. I will say, is the exception of quarterbacks for me. Whereas, like, normally we don't see a lot of these guys very highly ranked. Normally not just for five stars, but also just in the class. If you look at the top 300, like, they're not normally ranked super high. 2023 flips the script. There are six quarterbacks right now with five stars. That is insane. Jeez. So, like, those are the guys. Yeah, if you're going to take an early shot on, okay, if it's super depleted for Debbie purposes, I get it. There, There's probably a good chance you're going to end up with a decent one. C2C, definitely. Definitely go for one of those guys. Because next year's class, we'll go ahead and kind of flip flip it over. That's all I had for quarterbacks. Anything you want to add to that real quick?
1: No, I, I think quarterbacks I'm set.
0: All right, perfect. Well, well, I was saying about next year's class, running backs are in a void for me. So, and I, I've gone on the spills before, when it comes to running backs, I say as an incoming freshman, I need to see you at least, preferably 200 pounds, not lighter than 195 at the minimum. And I would like to see you as a top 30 freshman. If you look at next year's recruiting class, there's already right now seven out of the top 14, 15 names that are less than 190. Like, I don't know where the heck these kids are getting highly ranked and they're like 180, but I'm just – I'm not touching them. Those are are not the type of running backs for Debbie purposes that go to the next level. Now, Like you said, the guy going to Oregon, Richard Young, looks 200 right now according to recruit services. Probably is 195. So, I mean, like, that I can live with. When it comes to, like, where they go, I want Richard Young at Oregon. I don't want him at Fresno State or Washington. Like, let's make sure they get to solid programs that develop running backs. I know that's another big one when it comes to freshmen. And, of course, I want them in a shot where first two years they're on the field. Jaden Blue this year being behind Bichon, I'm okay with that Mm because next year it should be his backfield. Mm -hmm. So – That's, I know that's a lot of the big things I look for when it comes to supplemental drafts where you're mostly having to look, all right, which freshmen's available or which returning college players available. Once you get to the guys who are returning. Okay, now it flips a little bit. It's not just where did you rank coming in now that is kind of important, but now I can look at some film I can see what stats you produce because we know running backs are easier to predict to the next level. So can they make the big plays? How many big runs are they getting? Are they getting a lot of receiving game work? For example, if they only get a 5% target share, that's not good. But if they account for like 8 to 10% of the team's yardage for receiving, okay, it shows me he's not getting a lot of opportunity, but he makes the most of it. So like little things like that, yards after contact, can he avoid tackles? Big one of mine, and I'll talk about this probably in the next episode, I think, uh, Mo Ibrahim for Minnesota phenomenal talent we know I hate what happened to his Achilles last year like that was that's awful for him yeah he going to be a six-year guy next year like his sixth year in college
1: Total he's just, it's
0: exactly. not a guy I'm going to take in Debbie yeah. at most I want that third-year guy or somebody like Najee Harris who we know is returning for his senior year and but he has produced at least the year before
1: yeah, and that, that's still, with running backs, you know, I prefer those three-year guys. Um, if the price is right for the fourth year or if they're just an absolutely, like you said, like an outstanding running back, then yeah, that's totally fine. But anything after fourth year, if you're, if you're a fifth-year senior or even a sixth-year senior due to, you know, eligibility, I, I'm just totally, totally out on. Uh, mm-hmm. Just because, I mean, the shelf life for running backs at the NFL level is, you know I did an article on it. 20 age 28 is the is the gap. That that's the, or not the gap, the cliff. That is, you know, you have those Adrian Petersons and but Daniel Tomlinsons who can go into their 30s producing at high levels, but those much like Josh Allen, like we said, those are you know those are that's the exception. You know, you, oh, yeah. you don't find a whole lot of those guys. So I'm not trying to have a running back that I know once they get to the NFL level where in Debbie, you know, you just have them on a google docs sitting there once they get to the nfl level and you know you're like oh i'm really excited about this guy well boom he's a 23 24 year old rookie that just i mean he's got four or five years he's got a rookie contract on him to produce like you better hope he produces as a rookie or you know as a sophomore in the nfl so you can flip him because his edge is or his his cliff is coming soon
0: yeah i will say especially with 24 year olds like that does not look good yeah. Now, if you're 23 and you can get drafted like in the top 50 picks, there is a pretty good track record for those kind of guys. If you're 23 years yeah. old and you go at the end of the third, early day three, late day three, whatever, yeah, that's it's not good at all. Yeah.
1: Now, age is you know, I mean, I, I I'm, unless you want you have anything else to touch base on with running
0: backs. Um, uh, I'll, I, I
1: think I'll come back to BMI.
0: Yeah, I'll come back to BMI <laughs> in a little bit. Okay. Um,
1: age is totally different for me for Rutgers just because the shelf life for wide receivers is more than um running backs you give me a 23 year old rookie wide receiver i'm not as hands off as i would be with a running back if they obviously meet the same standards that we hold the running backs to 24 years old even for a wide receiver if they were phenomenal and they just happened to you know take advantage of that extra year of eligibility or you know they just dealt with an injury or two as long as they have good draft capital. I mean, I think one example of this is Vilas Jones Jr. You know, I, I'm not as – a lot of people are off on him due to his age alone. But when you look at, you know, his landing spot, you, I mean, aside from Mooney, who who's there taking away spotlight from him?
0: Hey, Komet's still there.
1: <laughs> I, I love Komet too. Okay, yeah, I can't believe I forgot Yeah, him. no, there's, there's no
0: receivers. You got Khalil Herbert and David that. Montgomery.
1: Yeah. So it's like, you know, in that kind of situation, age is a little bit, you know, different for wide receivers there. Um, It is. The biggest thing for wide receivers for me is size. I think size is huge unless, you know, you can be a Devontae Smith or you can be a Jordan Addison. You can be a little lighter weight kind of guy as long as you post a huge dominator rating and you, you know, produce. Because it all comes down to production. Um, Wide receivers, you know, much like running backs, you sit in your first year, you might barely see some playing time. Totally fine with that with wide receivers. Second year, I obviously want them to produce, but if they produce it, as long as I see an uphill trajectory for wide receivers because they have a longer shelf life at the NFL level, if, you know, year one, they sit, Year two, they start getting more playing time. They start to look better. Year three, they hit that, you know, that breakout age of year three, and then year four, they come back just so they can get an extra year under the belt, and they continue that upward trajectory. I'm fine mm-hmm. taking a 22, 23-year-old uh, rookie wide receiver because, of the like I said, the longer shelf life. Um, much like you pointed out with uh, running backs, you know, the major colleges are where we want these guys to be, especially places that are considered wide receiver university. You know, you got your LSU who consistently puts out t- top level NFL talent at the wide receiver position. Alabama does the same thing, Ohio State does the same thing. Um those are the three biggest schools, you know. I mean, you can give me a I mean you can give me some a freshman who posts a thousand yards as a freshman wide receiver. Over at Fresno State, or you can give me. Try to. I'm just trying to point some names right now. Oh my god, I was going to say Ajayi Hall, <laughs> but he's he's off my list.
0: Um, no, don't touch him.
1: Yeah, not don't touch Ajayi Hall. That is just too much trouble right there.
0: Um, uh, I was yeah, going like, to say, receiver. You you could also mention uh, USC. Now yeah, you're going to have yeah, Jordan you Addison. You had Monroe St. Brown, who didn't get the draft capital, but showed showed as out as a rookie. Majorly, Hey, he still has some talent. Uh, you won,
1: had Michael Pittman. Home
0: yeah, you had Michael Pittman. You had Juju Smith. Like, USC yeah, has a history as well. Yeah, USC, you can definitely make, oh, start yeah, to make a name for themselves. Um,
1: but you can, you can give me one of those, you know, 1,000-yard producer at Fresno State or a 400-yard producer who didn't play a whole lot at LSU, Alabama, or Ohio State, you know, as long as they have the recruiting profile and the size that I'm really looking for, I would take him over a 1,000-yard producer at Fresno State 10 times out of 10. Just because those universities are known for you know, producing high-level wide receivers, they're obviously doing something right. They are getting them right and getting them ready for the NFL level.
0: Yeah, you think of the Fresno talent you State, play you against of, matters.
1: Yeah, and you think of Fresno State, you think of Devontae Adams. I, I, other than Devontae Adams, I could not tell you a top-level wide receiver in the NFL who came from Fresno State.
0: I mean, I know Derek Carr threw the ball to Devontae Adams because exactly. that always gets said. but right. When it comes to that, I mean, there's there's Cropper, I believe, was Fresno State receiver, but he is a college fantasy kind of guy, like he's or C two C, like he's not NFL draft prospect. Which for Debbie purposes, we're picking these guys in college because we are projecting that they get draft capital.
1: Yeah, and I mean, you you look at LSU, you got Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, who immediately impacted the game. Look at Alabama, mm. you have Julio Jones, Amari Cooper, just to name a few. You look at Ohio State. You've got Garrett Wilson, who just had first-round draft capital. you got Chris Olave, who came who had, back.
0: Who came back. Still produced. Which,
1: Yeah, still produced. Should not have came back, in my opinion. No, he um, but still produced, still got first-round draft capital.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, I definitely get that. Like you said, I do prefer trying to find kind of that alpha-size, six-foot weight I'm not as picky on. I just don't want you to be small and small on the size, weight size too. Yeah that's, yeah, that's why I mentioned that's tough.
1: That's why I mentioned Devonte Smith is
0: you know he's not short
1: by any means. He's obviously what six foot six one. He might be a, he might be a little bit taller for all I know, but he's skinny, and that was people's biggest concern was that he was skinny. But you know I didn't think of it as a concern because he had produced majorly, mm-hmm. and you know there's a lot of talk that he produced because Jalen Waddle went out with an injury. Mm-hmm. But still, I mean, regardless,
0: he won the Heisman. I mean, production is production. At the end of the day, like you said, receiver set matters a lot.
1: Exactly.
0: So, I know that's that's why, like, Jordan Addison, he is only 175 currently listed, probably 170 if we're lucky. But they project him about six foot. He comes in a little bit shorter, 5'11". I mean, that's still – that's going to be okay with his production profile.
1: Yeah. No, he's not going to be – he doesn't have that alpha size like we, we want in a wide receiver. You know, because I got, I want someone who's six one, six three. I think that's a perfect ideal height for a wide receiver. Hell, you give me someone mm-hmm. taller than that, and it's great. But, you know, you have a 5'11", foot guy. As long as they produce at the college level, fine by me.
0: Yep. Definitely like those six three, two hundred 200 kind of guys. I mean, that's why Marvin Harrison Jr., for multiple reasons, not just that, but, like, size-wise, he fits kind of what I like to see. It's like I said, I don't – don't like ball. a – yeah there's a lot of good things about that dude that's why i have him my tier one but wait like i said i don't want that to be 170 if i can help it i especially don't normally want it to be lower than 170 it gives me some risk but of course if you show out a little bit i'm willing to flip the script major colleges and i think you hit that perfectly um i would like to find guys that can be the feature of the offense yeah for example josh downs i know unc or North Carolina, like he is the offense now. I do not have him highly ranked like some people, like some people have him receiver two, receiver three for this upcoming class. He is that kind of guy that I said does not have alpha size. He is 5'10, maybe 171 pounds if we're lucky when he get, does his way in. But the dude's going to be fast, so like he can at least be a feature of the offense and find a role. He'll get the draft capital. And the thing is, even if you take him, you can flip them once you get draft capital and go, yeah, all right, let me flip for a better prospect. I like now. So yeah, I think I think you've hit a lot of the receiver stuff I look for. I'm not sure if I'm quite as open to the seniors as you are, but I do agree if they can come out and show it in year three and they say, Hey, I gotta come back and show a little bit more like Chris Olave, like I'm willing to take those fourth year guys. Fifth and sixth year, I'm I'm not sure I'm in on those. So
1: you, you got to have good metrics elsewhere if you're, if you're going to come out that late. You know, you, you have to have a good 40-time. You have to have a good vertical. You have to have a good 3 cone shuttle. You know, you, you have to hit these. You have to be exceptionally athletic for me to really, like, just disregard that you're a 23-year-old rookie. Now, if you produce your 23-year-old rookie, you run a 4 40 You have a 32-inch vertical. Bro, He's like not getting drafted. To the NFL. Yeah. yeah, I was going to say, I don't know how you even made it to the NFL draft at that point. Um, and you're definitely not going to make it onto my roster unless you somehow manage to get round one draft capital to a very, very, you know, good landing spot. But yeah, there's a much like everything, there's a lot of moving parts and variables to take into consideration.
0: Sure. I mean, an example of that last part, you just said, David Bell did not test well at all metric wise, but still got the round three draft capital because of production. Yeah. So, I mean, I definitely agree with that. Now, you brought that up. I forgot to mention that earlier. Athletic testing is huge for running backs. Um, receivers, it is kind of important. So that's why on my database, I have it set up. If they do any kind of track that I can find, i list kind of, hey, here's a link to kind of their numbers, kind of look into it, let you know. Is this guy got any kind of speed testing that he's going to do well on or should you expect, hey, David Bell, slow as all get out, just get ready. His draft stock's going to plummet a little bit. He's not top three. Yeah. So I mean, those it's things matter. Huge.
1: It's definitely huge when running backs or even receivers they they come into college, you know, as high school seniors, and you're able to find 40 times on them. That helps oh. a whole lot with the with prospecting.
0: Just Especially the received. ones to do the camps that's verified laser yeah. timing.
1: Verified laser time of a four five four before he even gets into college, where they really really push you to get a better 40 time. Like
0: mm-hmm. that's
1: huge you know, and obviously that's not something that should deter you. I mean, unless it's like, oh yeah, as a senior, he ran up five, two, four, and then that's like, okay, (laughs) you're not going to get, you know, you're not going to get almost a whole point better at your, or whole second better at your 40 time. So that would definitely be a deterrent. But if you're like a four, six, five, you know, and I say four, six, five, because I'm pretty sure that was Braylon Allen's unofficial 40 time in high school. And he never ran track. And that's another thing. that's thing That's another thing to take into consideration. People who run track, they're taught the proper technique and form to, not always not, not, not just because you're not on the track
0: always. team doesn't mean you got a track coach that can teach you
1: correct correct if you have you know someone who can teach you you know you're going to be better off with that technique going into college mm-hmm. uh, but if you're like braylon Allen you didn't have that type of didn't have that type of uh education when it came to proper technique cuz you know you can put two prospects who are I, technically the same you know they run the same speed they have the same top speed of 22 miles an hour but if one is taught proper technique and the other one isn't, there's is going to be two different 40 times right there. And The one who's taught proper technique is going to run a hell of a lot better at the 40 than
0: the one who didn't. Yeah. I mean, that's where a film also comes into effect for receivers. Like, you got to be able to watch that. I a name I'll bring up later with a later episode, I don't want to see a receiver that catches the ball and then is just covered by not NFL-level talent secondary guys and immediately is getting tackled within, like, five yards of the catch. Yeah, There's a I name wonder. I'm going to mention later on. And I've got a little Twitter thread ready to go with it, but I saw that, and he—he, he, I'm not as excited about it as some people are that put him in top ten for this next recruit. Well, this next receiving class. I mean, things like that matter. You got to put context oh, yeah.
1: into it. Oh yeah, I mean, for receivers and running backs, you know, when you don't have official forty times and you're trying to really gauge how fast they are, that's how you gauge it. Is. It, it's film you're, you're going to see you're you're going to want to see these guys be able to run away from the defense defense you know yeah. you don't want to see you don't want to see linebackers or defensive ends catching up these guys you know there's the occasional safety or defensive back who's going to catch up just because those players are typically meant to have good speed but if you can yeah. find somebody who can outrun everybody on the defense then you know he's got you know it might not be elite speed but he's got a good top end speed which is going to translate to the nfl
0: yeah You need you want again speaking of film like you want to find guys that can normally can break a tackle like you're not going to get touched by a feather and the guy's falling down.
1: Contact balance is key, especially for running backs.
0: Yeah, huge, huge. Because as soon as that
1: offensive line disintegrates and you're met at the line of scrimmage, if you don't have good contact balance, you're not making a pass line scrimmage. You're not going anywhere.
0: Oh yeah. All right. So I feel like that kind of wraps up running backs receivers really well. Uh, I did say I was going to mention BMI. Like, the big thing for BMI with me, and this is uh, Master June, or the FF Devil, or DeVale, as he kind of spells it on Twitter. Uh, he did do a little study on the BMI for running backs. This is not receivers, just running backs. He does show that there is a success rate of 42 or more percent for rookie running backs that have at least a BMI of 28 or above. So any guy that's below that all of a sudden drops either to 29.7% or if you are super light and you're like 26 or lower, then you have a 0% success rate. Long-term success, you normally don't want your like big 33% BMI guys because they take a pounding very quickly. They don't normally last as long because they're not as elusive as we mentioned in the open field. Normally, long-term success rate you want them between that twenty-eight and thirty-two, just somewhere in that range. So that's kind of the last big thing I got for those kind of guys, running back-wise. I mean, it's a small detail; it's not going to take up thirty percent of my process, but five percent
1: on that—that's not a small sample size either. That is a success rate for running backs drafted between two thousand and five and two thousand and nineteen. That yeah, a it's, it's a huge sample pool. It's not even really a sample at that point. I mean, you have the entire pool right there for, you know, the last damn near 20 years. Um so yeah, that's that's really really good knowledge to have is if you want if if you want to use BMI as a success metric then, you know, you look at somebody who has a 28 to 32 um, and they're going to be the most successful. And then you're going to have, you know, anyone with 32 and above, they're gonna, those are going to be your thicker boys. Mm-hmm. Still still more successful than anyone below 26.
0: because there's are shorter term. For them.
1: But they're shorter term, yeah. You're not going to last as long as those that are in between that 20 and 32.
0: Yeah. Now, I know I didn't mention the five-stars ratings. Like, when it comes to running backs and receivers just for the last 10 years, like, it's less than 20%. I mean, those guys go from that to the first round. And, I mean, it's less than, seven, less than 20% again for round two and round three, which is really what we want for those positions. So, it kind of does vary. Going for five stars is better than going for four stars because your process normally ends up showing, hey, if you include these other factors, is he an alpha? Is he going to a major university? Like, if you mix all that in together, it does go a lot. But just be careful which your freshman you're looking at. Make sure you don't just look at, oh, Manuel Henderson, he's a five-star going to Alabama, but he's 185. Like, use the full process. There's Sometimes you're going to find that Bijan is probably the better back than Zach Evans, who started off like at 190 at TCU. I'm just thinking back of a recent recruit class. So, things like that. Well, All right.
1: Just, just for just touch base on that as well. So, for running backs in the last 10 years,
0: 6.5%
1: of five-star running backs were drafted in the first round. That's it. 19.4 for rounds two to three, and then 16.1 per uh, percent for rounds four to seven. Wide receiver gets better for this first round. First round of 17.5 percent for a first round receiver who was a five star compared to a 1.8 percent for those wide receivers who are a four star.
0: Now I will say I did notice looking at that same thing that you're looking at. 49 percent of five star receivers do get drafted, at least yeah. get drafted. So I mean that's huge. If you're looking You've at a freshman a receiver,
1: it is a coin flip. That's a good. That's
0: a good coin flip. Yeah. Running backs a little bit less. It's about 42%, 41.9%. So that's why when I say if you're looking at freshmen outside of 2023's quarterback class, normally I'm going to lean running back's and receivers for freshmen. Yeah. It just you've got a better hit rate. Quarterbacks, if you can do it right, five stars that don't show up a lot, they have a good success rate getting drafted, but I don't really care that 25% of those Five stars went in rounds four through seven. Exactly. It's, that's not as helpful. All right, last one. I know we've been holding off on this one. I'm so excited. Go ahead, to talk Chance. About this one. I'm Go so ahead. Excited. Come on, I, you've got a great, great setup right here. What? I, what I look for in tight ends. What I look
1: for in tight ends is they have to be unicorns. I, I just there is no. They have to be Kyle Pitts. They have to be Michael Mayers. They have to be Brock Bowers. I mean, if I'm in a Debbie draft. And Michael Mayer gets taken, and Brock Bowers gets taken. You know there are a few others, Eric Gilbert, if he ends up. I mean, it's it's that's he's a high risk, high reward, like we were talking about before.
0: But he fits about. a, unicorn. He fits, he's a, a unicorn.
1: unicorn. he fits a unicorn. He fits a unicorn. Other than them, and you know Michael Trigg, who we we both like. You like him a little bit more than I do. But if it's aside from those guys right there, Michael Mayer, Brock Bowers, Trigg, and Gilbert, I'm not touching tight end until I feel like I should. Mm-hmm. until i find somebody who might be a value it's different in c2c because obviously you you're playing college fantasy football you have to get scoring points from a tight end you have to start a tight end so then it's a little bit different but just in general i mean even then in c2c's you know i'll wait until Dude, later rounds like, just to I'll wait you know, till round
0: 20 to get tight ends exactly. at that point. i'll look at somebody
1: them. who was a four or five star tight end who you know showed some decent promise and i was like okay you know i'll drop this guy i guess um, but, yeah, tight ends, you, for me to draft you and Debbie, you really just have to be above, head and shoulders above everybody else. You have to be the guy that turns heads. You have to be Kyle Pitts, who is a wide receiver playing at the tight end position. You have to be Michael Mayer, who I think is a Robert Gronkowski clone. Um,
0: other than oh, that, tight. I just I,
1: I want nothing to do with tight ends. It would suck because yeah. tight end, you know, I, I love the tight end position. I but think they're the most underrated. How do you know
0: that Jalen Weidemeyer – who look like the tight end <laughs> one of 2022 <laughs> is gonna run like a freaking five on the 40 and go undrafted. Yeah, yeah it's, it's Debbie. It, 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 I it's a tight shoot. ends. It's a crapshoot. If it's not one of those top four tight ends, I am not touching them. Like, and there's
1: a lot of hype around names too. So I mean you're gonna have the Jalen Widemeyers where there's a lot of hype around him and you're gonna draft him and you're gonna be burnt.
0: Yeah. Now I will say true. if if it is a super tight end premium is 16. 18 team league whatever and you just you got to take a shot at least make sure you're going for a tight end that's at least like six four like Trigg's like the only exception he's listed at six three that i'm willing to consider i prefer closer between six four and six six that range around 240 plus we've seen that tight ends can be a little bit lighter nowadays they don't have to be 260 constantly but at least 240 would be nice uh, Brock Bowers currently is only 230, but he's a second-year guy. Like he can grow still.
1: If you so. look at if if you look at tight ends, one thing when it comes to film that you really, really need to look at with tight ends because th- there is not going to be a whole lot of them who are the cow pits. There's probably going to be none of them who are cowpits. You know, I think I think six four, two fifty is perfect for a build for for a tight end. It is the absolute I can for perfect that. build. You have to find on film, you have to find somebody who knows how to block. And the reason I say that is because at the NFL level, tight ends are going to be used to block a hell of a lot more than they're going to be asked to run routes unless your foul fits. If you can block as a tight end and you're drafted at the NFL level and you can prove that you can block at the NFL level, you're going to see the field more, which means that you're going to get more opportunity to run more routes, which means more routes equals more targets, equals more receptions, equals more yards, equals more touchdowns, equals more fantasy points. Yep. You have to be able to block as a tight end. If you cannot
0: block as a tight end, you are not
1: going to see the field nearly as much as you think you might, you know, you should.
0: Yep. But, again, most of these people don't take the time to look at the film. So, like, I'll tell you, it's it's tough because there's not a whole lot of film out there on a guy who's going to block on 60%, 70% of his plays. Like, most people are going to find film cut-ups of receivers and running backs, but it's it's tough with tight ends. So, if it's Devi, our best advice – I mean, the success rate hitting somebody is less than ten percent. So, I suggest look elsewhere. There's a running back or receiver that you got a much higher chance going for. Yep. I mean, I'll even take a shot on one of the, the quarterbacks at that point if that's what I'm left with. All right, closing thoughts. Anything you want to add to the quarterbacks, running backs, receivers, tight ends? I think we've we've ran the gambit on all of it.
1: Definitely put a. Priority on running backs and wide
0: receivers. Definitely, you have 100%. to prioritize
1: running backs and wide receivers. Uh, in super flex leagues, obviously, like we said, you know, you have those top guys: Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, Caleb Williams, who you should prioritize over. You know, I, I think I've definitely come to. I, I would prioritize a john Robinson or a Trey Henderson over any of the quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Um, but outside of those two running backs, Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, Caleb Williams, you know, throw in a uh, a JSN. As a wide receiver that you can you know justify over those quarterbacks, but after those top quarterbacks, if you're sitting there and you got Tyler Van Dyke and Tank Bixby to choose between, don't sit there and think it's a super flex league. You haven't drafted a quarterback yet. You've got to take a quarterback. <laughs> yep. Take the running back who has been highly touted, who's very skillful. Take take Tank Bixby.
0: And hopefully you land Kenny Pickett the next year. Like, you'll find,
1: yeah, you're gonna find you'll quarterback. Find
0: a quarterback because the NFL will f- have somebody appear out of nowhere.
1: Zach Wilson, Bill Burrow, Kenny Pickett. I mean, you're going to have round one quarterbacks yep. that appear out of thin air after, you know, their junior year where they declare, you know, they don't produce this first two years or they don't produce this first three years, and they blow up their fourth year, have great intangibles, and the NFL is going to go, we really like this guy. Let's take a shot at him. Next thing you know, in your rookie drafts, you're looking at the board and you're like, wow, the only name that I know that's
0: good right here is Zach Wilson. Mm-hmm. Yep. Now, I will say it, when it comes to the quarterbacks, something I do recommend, if you have done your startup or you're about to do your startup, load up on those good quarterbacks. If you want to do a one, two, first and second round turn on two of your best names, that at least sets you up where you're not... Sp- Depending on a heavy pipeline of quarterbacks, because yep. it is kind of iffy.
1: Yeah,
0: you might you might luck out, Rattler work out for you. You might crash and burn if you got stuck with DJU. Like it's just there's more there's more risk in going for the heavy quarterback instead of trading even for Kirk Cousins.
1: Get three just solid quarterbacks. You know, you get you in super flex league, dude. I mean, gosh,
0: take a first Any of the top six, any of the top like, six in the first yeah. round.
1: Take, take Lamar Jackson, and then on the next turn, you know, take another quarterback and then grab a running back or wide receiver. Obviously, don't reach on a running back or a wide receiver. You know,
0: mm-hmm. it's a Round three, it's got to make right.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, you've got to take the value. You don't reach on any of these guys. But you, you just should definitely be drafting three quality quarterbacks who can hold you right for a few years or for the entirety of the league. If you, you know, for five,
0: ten years. That's true. That way three, you're not years. three years. Three years going to look a lot different for each team.
1: Exactly. So that way you don't have to sit there and panic during the Debbie draft and go, oh, I only have Lamar Jackson and my quarterback, too, is, <laughs> you know, fucking Zach Wilson, who is young and good, but he's a question mark. Mm-hmm. So that you sit there and you think that you absolutely have to take. I'm trying to think of a name that's not one of my
0: guys. That's just Will like Will Levis. You, you don't have to take banking on Will bus. Levis being the guy. Yeah. Like, that's thinking, that's a risk. Thinking,
1: we thinking that Hendon Hooker is going to be, you know, the next big thing and taking him, mm-hmm. reaching for him in the second round of
0: your heavy draft or something like that. He's worth in a C2C, but man. Yeah, yeah, it's, CTC, it's, but yeah. Debbie guys, it's, it's, can this guy get to the NFL with as high draft capital as possible? If the answer is, I don't know, it might be worth looking at a future year. Like that's when we start talking about freshmen over some juniors and that kind of stuff. Well, This episode's kind of been going long. I don't want to get the listeners going too deep with our rants and our little rabbit holes that we can go down multiple times. Chance, is there anything you're working on? Let the people know about, or where can they find you?
1: So I'm working on a few things. Haven't had time recently to polish up or anything like that, but I have a few articles in the pipeline. Not going to spoil anything because the titles might spoil them a little bit. Um, You can find me at ChanceFF on Twitter. That's two names in the end. Chance two ends in the name chance geez uh <laughs> and then you can find andrew at underscore debbie scout on twitter
0: mm-hmm. all right well guys we appreciate it if you can listen to us this song we would love for you to give us some reviews preferably five stars of course whatever platform you're listening on uh come check us out filmalytics like i think this is a great episode but it kind of shows what you can find more of at patreon.com backslash for what we can do to meet your fantasy football needs. And, of course, we've got that free Discord. Come join our growing Discord community to talk with other fantasy football nerds. We talk year-round, whether it's college, NFL, rumors, whatever we can find, that we'll, we'll talk about it. Well, we appreciate you guys. Continue listening to the Debbie Workshop podcast with Chance and myself as we continue to break down these names that you need to build your dynasty pipeline for years to come.
1: Bonus real quick. Bonus, guys follow the filmalytics twitter at filmalytics underscore there is a lot of graphics that we have coming out a lot of news that we have coming out a lot of uh hands-on type of reply type tweets where you know build your team for 15 dollars type stuff but we're working on a lot trying to get the twitter community involved follow us on there stay up to date with news what we got working on what we're doing stuff like that
0: and instagram and tiktok yes sir find us on all of it well Guys, we appreciate it. Have a great one.